Welcome, I trust God's going to speak to our hearts this evening. Last week, Sunday night, Andre shared about growing in God, and he shared about church, and shofar church, and, and that we are striving to be, and trusting God to be a family church, not a fantasy church, or a factory church. Now, just to recap on that quickly, that a, a fantasy church, that everything happens in a church that the way it should happen, but in actual fact, nothing is happening from Jesus' side. There's, there's, there's a church happening, but there's no Jesus. People come, and they leave empty. People come with hurt and with sorrow and with, with, with baggage, and they leave with the same baggage afterwards. There's no impact. There's no life change. It's a fantasy. It's, just, it's almost, you can say, it's fake. That's the one side. Factory church on the other side is they want everyone to be the same. If the preacher is one kind of person, he wants everyone in the congregation to be the same person. It's like a cookie factory, like Andre said. Everything is just being done the same, and people are just being pushed through the church and into the church doing the same thing, everyone the same. Now, show for our heart is to be a family church, a family church where every family member, which is all of us, have a specific role to fulfill in God's kingdom. Like in our own families on earth, we have brothers and sisters, and they're all different. One brother might be sporty, the other brother might be a musician or a cultural person or a creative person. And then you've got to give him the freedom to, to pursue his heart and his passion and his talents. And our, and our, our aim at Shofar is to let everyone become the person who God created us to be. If you're an evangelist, we're trusting God to give you an opportunity to evangelize. If you're a prophet, we're trusting the Lord to give you an opportunity to go and prophesy. That's our heart from Shofar's side. So welcome everyone. Uh, we're trusting that you all get planted in Shofar, become a part of the family. And he spoke about growing in God. And tonight, my, my, the message I believe is from God is going to touch on certain things. And I'm hoping that if, if you grow in, in someone, you get to know someone, and you build a relationship with someone, it helps to know more of that person in your growth um, process. Okay, so if I want to get to know Stephen, and someone can, comes and he tells me about Stephen before I actually get to know him better, and he tells me about a characteristic of him, it's going to help me to grow in the relationship with him. Then I already know something about Stephen. It's going to help me. So tonight I'm trusting that the Lord's going to reveal something about him being a faithful father, and us knowing that, and tonight leaving here, knowing without any doubt in our heart that God is a faithful father, it will help us in the process of growing in God. Okay? Let me just open and pray for us. Father, we thank you that you are faithful. I pray now for every heart, dear Lord, every person to open our heart. Father God, come and speak to us. And Lord, come and reveal your faithfulness in every heart here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I say God is a faithful father. Who, who has gone through a tough time in their lives? Some of us some of us have been very lucky or blessed not to have any tough times in your life. Praise the Lord for that. But many of us have been through tough times in our lives. And tonight I'm going to share a few testimonies of my own life where God has just shown His faithfulness in my life. And, and with that testimonies I'm going to share and some scriptures I'm going to share, I'm really trusting that God's going to show you in your own heart that He is a faithful Father. And that faithfulness comes out of a place of love. God loves us and because of the love He has for us, He is a faithful Father. And we've been in the beginning of 2016, we're only entering March in this week coming. So, unfortunately, some of us might face hectic challenges in this year. We might. We don't know what the future holds. But I want to encourage us tonight that God is faithful no matter what. 
Can I get an amen? Is there anyone in the house? Are you sleeping? Is it Sunday afternoon? Those time. So, um, yeah, we, we believe God is a faithful Father. He's shown it to us. He's proven it to us. And tonight I'm just trusting us, God, to, to give us a new revelation of that faithfulness. Unfortunately, though, the word faithful and God's faithfulness has been damaged by our worldly people, sinful people, where people have been unfaithful. Husbands being unfaithful to wives, wives being unfaithful to husbands, boyfriends and girlfriends being unfaithful to one another, family members betraying you, um, friends at school or varsity betraying you, being unfaithful, where you trusted someone with your whole heart and it disappointed you. And the word faithfulness doesn't really resonate with you so nicely because you kind of like been there, been hurt, shut down. I build a wall around my heart. I'm not trusting anyone to be completely faithful again. And that's not what God wants for us. He is a faithful father no matter what. So tonight I want to ask you to forget about where you come from in terms of people being unfaithful to you and just listen and hear me out tonight that God is faithful no matter what. The definition of faithful is just having, in simple terms, having or showing true and constant support or loyalty. True and constant support or loyalty. It's not a fluctuating thing. It's a constant, constant loyalty and support. Now God is a good father. I'm a father myself of two boys. And I believe that I'm faithful to my boys and to my family constantly. If my, my two-year-old is naughty, I'm not going to stop giving him food. If he throws a tantrum, I'm not going to let him sleep outside in the cold. That won't be faithfulness. It won't be a faithful father. But a faithful father, and I believe I am one by God's grace, is someone who constantly supports and be loyal to his, his loved ones. And God, that's, what, that's why I say God is faithful. And our first scripture tonight is 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9. And it says, God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Can we all say together, God is faithful. As a declaration tonight, we are saying, God, you are faithful and we believe it. Because your scripture says that, and you have shown it to us throughout the Bible and throughout our lives. I'm going to touch on that tonight in more detail. The next scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can enjoy it. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can deal with. And even then He will provide a way out. And then on that point, I want to share a testimony with you that what happened to my wife and I, we had our second boy on Christmas Day last year, two months ago. And the day he was born, we were excited and, and happy. And then when he was actually born, the doctor said to us, listen, everything is fine. He, just, he, he has a clubbed foot. Now many might not know what a clubbed foot means. I've got a picture there to show you. This is his right foot. You see it's bent completely to the inside. Um, there's no medical reason or explanation why this happens. One out of a thousand babies born is born 
with a club foot other one, or both of them can be inside, turned inside. Now you can imagine the excitement from us, our baby is coming, Christmas Day, it's extra special, and then this happens, and, and it feels like a temptation, because this temptation is not only speaking about physical temptations of, of lust and stuff. I believe this temptation is something that takes us away from God, who wants to make us doubt, who wants to take our faith and kick it out the door, and, and that temptation is that what God speaks of here, that we will not be tempted but beyond what we can, can deal with. And even then, God will provide a way out so we can still remain faithful and He can still remain faithful to us. So this, is, this situation happened to us and we were blown away. My wife and I were shocked. We were shocked with the situation. Um, my wife was in tears for pretty much the first week thereafter, um, blaming herself for this, although nothing that you could do in your, in your pregnancy can actually cause this to happen. It just happens. Um, but God is faithful. And in this time, we were led to go to a specific uh, specialist um, who focuses and who specializes in club feet uh, at the free hospital, actually. So we went to him. And it's a whole process. I'm not going to go into detail about the medical things, but there's no operation. It's just actually putting new cast plaster of Paris on his foot. And the next photo will be the one that was taken this week. Still the same right foot on the right top there. And it's an unbelievable, as you can see, unbelievable change from where it was two months ago to where it is today. And we say, praise God, for He is faithful. You can show the next slide, Pina, just the difference between the two. And the one on the left... It wasn't, no one held it inside. It was actually grown like that, okay? And at the moment, it's looking like that on the right-hand side. And God is faithful no matter what. And this is the first testimony. I'm going to share a few testimonies tonight. This is the first one we experienced from a shocked state of, God, why us? Why our boy? You know, it's our second boy. Our first boy was born perfect, 10 feet, 10 toes, normal, then the second one comes, and we expect the same. You see, because us humans, we arrogant people, we think and we, we expect things to happen perfectly all the time. And when it doesn't, we blame God. We expect things to be perfect, and we take things for granted. And it's a lesson for my wife and I to learn that in the biggest scheme of things, this foot is actually something small. Medically speaking, you'll be 100% fine. By the time he's three or four years old, he'll run around like a normal child. So in this shock, in this situation, God just once again proved to us that He is faithful. And we must never doubt His goodness or His faithfulness. Now, God's faithfulness does not depend on our faith. And the next slide we can show that God is faithful despite our faith levels. Okay? I want you to get the following that I want to say is that that we have faith as Christians. We have faith because God is faithful. God is not faithful because we have faith. And let us think in for a moment. We have faith because we know as Christians God is faithful. He's good and He's loving and He's kind. God is not faithful because all of us, all of His children believe in Him. He was faithful before we even became Christians. And I'm going to get to that too tonight. So just know that, does God want us to have faith in Him? Yes. Please don't get me wrong. You know, I'm not saying we as Christians don't have to have faith. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that beyond what we believe in our faith levels, God is still faithful. And in that moment of, the, of our Joshua, a boy being born, and we're like, in that moment of like, what's happening here, shock and, 
and almost like anger, God was still faithful. Okay? But does God need our faith to be faithful? No, He doesn't. He's God. He is faithful. It's who He is. It's His character. He doesn't need our faith. But He, he loves it when we have faith in Him. I want to speak about that as well. So just stay with me. And on the topic of, of being a faithful father, I'm actually not going to share this tonight, but I was reminded of this during worship, and I feel God wants me to share this. It's just, in short, when I was like about four years old, my brother was in grade one. He's two or three years old. Um, he is older than me. And he had a rugby day on in a town about an hour and a half away from where we lived. So me being quite passionate about sports from a young age, I'm going along with my brother on a bus to support him and just be with the, the kids. So off we go in the morning early. I'm in my element. I'm running around. Guys are playing rugby. It's a sport day. It's a massive lekker lekker. And so at the end of the day, I don't know what happened. Okay, I was young. My brother and I realized with a shock that the bus has left. The sport day was over. People were going home. The bus left without us. Now as a four-year-old, I was shattered. I was crying my eyes out. I was saying, that what's going to happen? The sun is setting. It was ridiculous. I thought that to the day, I don't know how the teachers missed us, but we were left behind. I think I need to encounter four for that, actually. But um, anyway, so... But what I want to share is that my brother, being a six-year-old boy, took me under his wing and he told me, don't worry, mom will come and fetch us. Because he knew, as a six-year-old boy, that our parents are faithful. And they will come and fetch us and they will come and look for us, no matter what. And we sat there next to that rugby field and the sun was setting fast and it was getting dark. And Truce Bob in pulled my mom over the speed limit, I would think, and um, fetched us and took us home. Did the teachers get a few words from my mom the next time? Yes. But anyway, from there onwards, we never left, got left behind. <laughs> Praise God. But the point is that my brother knew my mom and dad are faithful. He knew they will come for us. And, and, and I believe God so wants us to do the same with our faith in him. That no matter what happens, guys, we can say without a doubt, don't worry. Our Father is faithful. He will make a way, even when there seems to be no other way. Another quick story I'll share. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, so my parents often often tell us, told us that God's faithful, He'll provide, no matter what. We never had lots of money. Um, so then high school came, end of high school, I wanted to go and study accounting, but my parents said there's no money for, for, for studies. Um, financially, they weren't in a good position, so the banks couldn't give me a loan to go and study. Um, I remember clearly the day my dad told me that it might be better for me to just stay in town there, or go to Uppington, which is an hour away, and go and work in an accounting firm as a freshman from school, and study part-time. But in my heart, I wanted to go and study at the university like my other friends did who were older than me. And I trust and I believe that God will make a way. Even when I was 18 years old, not experienced in life, I knew that God knows I want to go and study and He'll make a way for me to go study. So, long story short, there's a, another loan scheme that you can apply for and it actually helps you. The, the worse off your parents are, the better your chances to get money from this um, government scheme. 
And um, I packed my bags. I said to my dad, I'm going to Porch. I'm going to study. I'll get that loan. And I left. My parents couldn't even take me to the university. Financially, it was tough. I took a live with friends of mine and his parents. So I didn't have the luxury of my parents taking me to varsity, dropping me off, assuring I'm fine. But still, I went there. And long story short, I got the loan. Praise the Lord. He provided like he always does. He's a faithful father. And I went through my three years degree with the, with the th- back in my mind, knowing that if I fail a subject, the loan will just withdraw. It's quite a strict thing. You have to pass all your subjects. If you fail a year, you'll also have to pay back the full loan. If you pass all your subjects, however, they give you a nice bursary discount. So I managed to pass all my subjects. That's a miracle on its own. Um, a few fifties in there, so I know God is very faithful. But um, yes, and then my honors year came. The fourth year came, and a new challenge came up. I didn't even know about that. That that specific loan scheme only paid until you get a degree. If you want to go beyond a degree and get a post degree, you can pay your own studies. Now I'm back to square one. I can't have the finances to do my honors. I want to do it. Prayed about it, and somehow God made another way. A friend of mine's father went and signed a surety at the bank for me for a loan to study and do my honors in that year. God is faithful, guys. I can, I, can stand, I can stand here the whole night and tell you testimony after testimony how God has just shown His faithfulness to us as a family. Um, and that's why I, can, I can just want to share that God is so faithful, we must never doubt His faithfulness. So let's see what happens in Exodus 14. Now, you, you must stay with me, please. I know it's Sunday afternoon late, but there's a lesson in this, in this passage, I believe, for all of us. This is where the Israelites now, a bit of background, Moses wants to take the Israelites out of Egypt. Egypt. They're slaves, they're working hard. God wants to set them free. Eventually, the king let them go, let them go, and off they go. So, a few, few verses here to stay with me. Exodus 14, verse 1 to 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi Haroth, between Michtol and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite Baal Sephon, Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Off they went. Long walk to freedom. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled... Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots, along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. They were on a mission. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi Heroth, opposite Baal Zevon. Don't judge me on the pronunciation. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and, they were the, and there were the Egyptians, marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Now, just more background. 
Now, they were stuck between the Red Sea on the one side and all of these chariots with psyched up angry soldiers behind them. And this is where they find themselves. They are terrified and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, now this, this is their leader, this is the, the hero who took them out there and who's leading them out. They said to him, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done? To us by bringing us out of Egypt. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today. You will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then we go to verse 21. He's keeping a few verses. The Lord gave an instruction to Moses. So then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. Verse 26, 27. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched, stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward, toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water on their right and on their left. So long story short here, Israelites are terrified. Lord, why did you bring us here to die? Moses, what were you thinking? So I think you would agree with me if I say to you that at that moment, their faith levels out of 10, 10 being the best, probably about a naught to minus 2. They're seeing the, the end. They're like talking about graves. They want to get, they want to die. They're going to die. There's no way out. Why did you do this, Moses? And why did you do this, Lord? And, and bearing in mind that before they left Egypt, God was so faithful that he, he had, you know, the story about the plagues, first plague and second plague, and it got worse and worse, that the Egyptians lost animals, they lost children, firstborns, and the Israelites lost nothing in that process. So there God pro- proved himself to them already, but come a situation like this, and they're like, hi, boy, what's happening here? Why do we bring us here to die? So, what are we, we going to take from this lesson here? If it was about faith, if God's faithfulness depended on faith, only Moses should have survived this whole episode. Because only Moses had faith, and he told the people, relax, chill, it's going to be fine. Be still and see how the Lord will deliver us today. Because the Egyptians you see today, chasing us, wanting to kill us, you will never see them again. Would you agree with me? If, if it was based on faith only, Moses was the only one 
who was who made the cut. And, and and God could have probably easily said to him, Moses, you are faithful, you are such a man of faith, while the Israelites are all doubting, you are f- full of faith. Take a Red Bull and fly away from the Egyptians. Would have worked nicely with the Red Bull and the Red Sea all together. But he didn't because God's faithful. And that's why I'm saying tonight that even when we feel we don't have faith, even when things are tough and we don't see the way out, financially, physical sickness, wherever you might find yourself, God is faithful no matter what. And being faithful, like I said earlier, is out of a place of love. We can't, we can't earn this faithfulness. Just because you're in a worship team or you, you serve the Lord as, as usher or you preach, it doesn't make God more faithful towards you than anyone else. He's faithful out of love. My wife and I are married for over six years and I'm faithful to her and my two boys because I love her. If she doesn't believe that, I'm not going to be not faithful to her because of that. I'm not faithful to her because she trusts me. I'm faithful to her because I love her with all my heart and I want to be faithful to her. And God's the same with us. It's just a different level. And He loves us and from that place He, wants, he is faithful to us all the time. No matter what we feel and what we do, He's faithful. Okay, you've got to get it tonight. It's important because the life's going to throw curveballs at you and the devil comes like a roaring lion. But if you tell him and we know that our God is faithful, he can do nothing to us. And, and I want to say to you tonight that nothing that you've go, you're going through at the moment or that you will go through in the next year or ten years, nothing will be a surprise to God. You might be surprised like we were with our boy and his club foot. But nothing that will happen to you can ever shock God or surprise Him because He knows already what's coming. He's God Almighty. And I'm going to take you one step back with Exodus 13 just to show you what happened to the Israelites. It wasn't by surprise that they got to the Red Sea in that position. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. God led them into the situation it didn't come to his surprise. Moses didn't knock on his door and say, Lord, Lord, now you must help. We're stuck between a rock and a hard place. People want to kill us this side, and there's a sea on this side. God knew about it. He led them there. And he knew through his faithfulness, he'll perform a miracle and set the people uh, free, and he'll bring him glory and honor. And uh, if you read the, the next part of the scriptures, the Israelites were celebrating and worshiping God because he's a faithful father. And once again, he proved himself to them. So my question tonight is, how do we handle challenges? How do we handle tough times, either expectedly or unexpectedly? Do we handle it like a Moses, strong in faith, knows God is faithful, or are we more towards the the Israelites, who immediately when the tough times come, we fall back and we say, God, where are you? Why did you leave me, God? What did I do wrong, God? Are you punishing me for last week's sin, God? I'm sorry about that, Lord. I'm sorry about that, Lord. Are we doubting God in the tough times? Or are we actually saying, Lord, no matter the fact that I lost my job today, you are faithful. You will make a way for me. You will provide for me. And that's a test for all of us Christians and and, and children of God to, to actually test ourselves the next time we face a challenge. It could be tomorrow at work. 
or the varsity or at school, it could be, could be next week, to ask ourselves, are we like Moses or are we like the Israelites? And then you can make the decision. You see, God is pleased by our faith in Him because that shows Him that we believe in what He has already done for us. Okay? I don't want to harp on this thing, but we have faith in God because we know He sent His Son, Jesus, to set us free from our sin, to reconcile us with Him, the Father. So now you and I are co-heirs with Christ and we have the authority with Jesus Christ to do miracles on earth. And that's why we know that and we have faith in God. And God is pleased with that. You know, our faith doesn't get God to do something. He wants to do it because He loves us. And, and the, next, the next part of this, this message is just that, you know, God rewards faith. That's what I said in the beginning. I'm not saying, guys, you don't have to have faith for God to be faithful. Don't, don't have faith. That's not what I'm saying. God loves it when we have faith. Then we show Him. You are Father. We know you will come through for us. Like my brother with my mom in the example I shared, that we know without a doubt that He is faithful. You can, just, you can go read these, these passages if you want, but in, in, in Genesis 22, we all know these things, these, these scriptures, where God said to Abraham, take your son Isaac and go and sacrifice him to me. Now remember that, 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 that Abraham waited a long time, very long time, for his, firstborn, for his, for his son Isaac. It was a miracle that he actually had the son Isaac with, with, with his wife. And then God said to him, go and, go and kill him. Go and sacrifice him to me. And as I was reading that passage this week, my, tears, my eyes filled up with tears, just putting myself in a position of, of, of Abraham, taking my boy or boys, knowing that God expects me to go and kill them, offer them to him. And I couldn't comprehend that. I couldn't, I couldn't get myself in that position because I probably won't be able to do it if he asked me to do it. But Abraham, on the other hand, did it. Got his men together, got wood together, got his son, and off they went, up the mountain, and he even worshipped going up there. Got everything ready. His son asked him, and I read it, and I was like, but dad, where's the lamb? We've got the wood and everything else, but where's the lamb? I said, don't worry. God will make a way. And he tied him down on that altar to, to sacrifice him. But God is faithful. And God is a rewarder of faith. And in that moment, the angel said to him, Stop, Abraham. And there was a, a lamb, and the son was saved. Because God loves it when we have faith in him. In Daniel, same thing. People was jealous, were jealous on him, of him. Said to the king, Make a new rule that no one can worship you. No, oh, sorry. <laughs> Make a rule that no one must, can pray to God or anyone else but you. You become the God of the people. So the king liked the idea. And he made the, the law. But Daniel was a faithful son of God. He loved God. And daily he kept on praying to God. And the people reported him. He was arrested. And you know the story was thrown in the lions then. With some hectic lions. It wasn't your Simba lions. It, was it wasn't Alex the lion either. It was proper lions ready to devour people and to kill people and to eat them. And Daniel was full of faith. So he, next morning the king came to look at the lions then. And there he was. Nothing wrong, no scratches, no bite marks. Alive. And God once again showed his faithfulness in the situation and rewarded Daniel for his faith. And then lastly, David. David is a very interesting man in the Bible. In this case, he went, you know the story about Goliath. You can go read the whole chapter, 1 Samuel 17. 
Bottom line is, he decided he's going to take on this giant and he's going to take him down. Why? Because he knew God is faithful. He has seen it. He has tasted God's faithfulness. And, and, he, and he says to, to Saul, the king, in verse 37, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Because he's a shepherd, and in the field he was attacked. There's a lion and a bear, and God saved him. So what did David do here? I think this is a valuable lesson for all of us Christians. In this moment, in this challenge, he recalled God's faithfulness. He testified to, to King Saul, and I think to himself, that God is faithful. The same God who saved me from the lion and the bear will save me today against this giant. And he went out, one shot, took him out, and he was the hero, because God's faithful. And I want to encourage us to not to do the same. When times get tough, go home tonight, go think of times where God was faithful to you and your family. Go think of times where there was no way out, but God made a way out. And build your faith through that, because tomorrow or next week there might be a tough time coming. But then we can say, hey, Goliath, I don't, I'm not scared of you because I know God is faithful. We have to do the same thing now with, with, with my wife having a second child, own business, can't work, can't generate income. Financially, it's tough. But we had the same situation with our firstborn two, year, two years ago, two and a half years ago. And God then provided to us. So we said, we're not going to stress about it now because God has already provided in the past. He will provide again. Amen? God is faithful. So just drawing on the past, drawing on the testimonies of God's goodness and faithfulness builds our faith. And our faith pleases God. And then lastly, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible and, and, and most of the times I share the message, it, it comes up somewhere because it just keeps on speaking to my heart where in, in Matthew 26, this is the ultimate faithfulness by our Father God. Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. You, might, you also know this passage, I'm sure. He said to his disciples, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Verse 43 to 44, He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible, for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it. May your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed for the third time, saying the same thing. So Jesus knew what was coming, guys. He knew right here he's going to be crucified soon. And it's not going to be fun and games to be beaten up, hang, to be hung on a cross, and to be crucified for us sinners. So in this moment, in the garden, in this prayer, he says, My father, there's a conversation happening here. Jesus is speaking to his father. It's a son, daddy and son conversation in the garden here. He says, Father. And I assume God would say, Yes, son. yes my son. Yes, Jesus. 
said, is it possible that we can do it another way? There's a conversation happening here. And, and, and he goes back a second time and he speaks to his father again. He said, Lord, is there, no, is there no other way? Must I drink this cup? Is it the only way? And I don't know, I don't know, I don't know this, but in my opinion, I don't think God would have ignored him flat and not say anything to his son Jesus in that moment. There must have been a conversation. He must have said to him, my son, there is no other way. For me to save my people and, and my loved ones, you have to do this. You have to do this. And God had to turn his back on his son during the process of being crucified because he was then filled with our sin on that cross. And it had to happen for us to be reconciled with with God the Father. The ultimate faithfulness towards you and me, friends. And God told his own son, there's no other way. You have to go through with this. I'll be with... Oh, I love my people, John 3.16. So God so loved the world that he sent his only son. He's faithful. And at that moment, you and I were not even saved. We couldn't have been saved without Jesus on the cross. So his faithfulness didn't depend on our good lifestyles or our good lives or what we do for him. It's from love. A love we'll never understand. He's faithful because he loves us. He's faithful from the beginning. That's why he sent his son to die on the cross for you and for me. You can go up so long, please. Um, and the last scripture I want to share with you is in 1 John 1, verse 8 to 9. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness if we confess our sins God is faithful he'll forgive us once we confess our sins we receive Jesus into our lives he'll forgive us because he's faithful and he loves us when my boy is naughty he comes to me and he says sorry daddy I can't remain angry at him I can't slap him around when he says, I'm sorry, Daddy. I've got to love him. I've got to embrace him. It's okay, my boy. And God's faithfulness, once again, guys, does not depend on the mistakes we make, the mistakes we have made in the past. Luke, Luke 15, prodigal son. Son told his father, you're dead to me. Give me my inheritance. I'm off. I do my own thing. I'm arrogant. I'm proud. Left his father behind. He messed up. He came back. Wanted to be a slave. But see, friends, God is faithful. He's the faithful father looking out for us, looking out for his lost sheep, his lost son who left him, looking out for us because he's faithful.